This video is sponsored by Jerry's Artorama. Jerry's Artorama Online has been serving artists for over 50 years, providing only the best quality art supplies. Jerry's Artorama has premier lines that sell all over the world and are used by millions of artists and professionals worldwide for amazing results. In addition to over 65,000 fine art supplies, choose from over 4,000 free art lessons, oil painting, drawing, acrylics, watercolors, mixed media, and the largest selection of new supplies professionally evaluated and created by artists for artists. Jerry's Artorama has been empowering artists since 1968. We provide reliability, better art supplies, great prices, and exceptional service. The quality of your art matters to us. Hello, everybody. Today we are talking about how to get started learning contemporary art. But first, if your studio habits need a kick in the butt, ArtProf has everything you need, tutorials, critiques, and professional development. So, Clara, I know there are many assumptions and generalizations in contemporary art. Can you tell us about some of these? I can't tell you how many times I talk to not just the average layman, but artists who will say to me, oh, contemporary art is garbage. It's all crap. The last time art was good was in the Renaissance. I'm like, dude, you're looking in the wrong place because contemporary art, it's a huge world. And a lot of it is just searching for that because this whole, my kid could do that. This looks like crap. I, I just don't think that's the way to go. That's a very surface level assumption. Usually when you see something, well, the first thing is, did your kid actually make that? Probably not. And second, usually there's a lot of art history or, or background or context that has led up to that point. Even that banana that was covered in the duct tape had some some context to it that was interesting to talk about, right, Clara? Absolutely. And that's why our first recommendation, if you want to learn about contemporary art, sorry, you got to study art history because you have to be able to contextualize contemporary art. A lot of it refers to art historical images and associations. You just can't learn about contemporary art in a complete vacuum. You have to understand the timeline of things. At the same time, you don't need to know every single thing about art history in the whole entire world in order to appreciate contemporary art. And in fact, contemporary art can be a great gateway into learning about a certain segment of art history. For instance, maybe you like really creepy baby faces or adult faces on babies that comes from the Renaissance, not the Renaissance, medieval art. That maybe you get into medieval art that way. So it goes back and forth. You can do it both ways. Amanda says, I thought contemporary art was garbage before someone introduced it to me. I confess that when I was an art school student, I said the exact same thing. I said, everything I see in the museum is just so crummy. People don't know how to draw anymore. There's somebody on the planet somewhere who has to be making something that will engage you as an artist. It's just a matter of knowing where to look. So we're here 
to guide you in that because it can be very overwhelming. There's a lot of contemporary art books and we have a huge list on artprof.org. You can look at all that. Some of my personal favorites though are the vitamin series. Have you seen these, Lauren? Yeah, these when I was an art student were some of my first introductions to art history. I think I saw vitamin P that was for painting and they're really full of images. So it's an easy way to get engaged. It's like watching TV or like going through Instagram. It's, woo, beautiful colors, beautiful pictures. <laughs> <laughs> now, a new development is apps. Lauren, tell us about some of the apps that you've been exploring to keep in touch with what's happening right now. Well, one of the ones that I use quite frequently, and it's best if you're in a city for it, I, I have to, that's my caveat, but Seesaw is a really great way to figure out what's going on in all of the local galleries in the area. They've got New York, Chicago, LA, I think some other country ones too. And then I can put a pin in the shows that I want to see. I can favorite them and then it will put together a map for me so I can figure out which ones to go to. It also has the opening and closing times. It's super useful. Before that, I had to look at very long lists done by, say, a publication, Art Critical, put out this giant list of openings, and I'd have to spend hours parsing through it. So I think that there are probably smaller equivalents for other places. Definitely find where you can that list of openings that you can, that you can go through. Now, this is not available to everybody. Clubhouse is this new audio app. It's basically like all these rooms. There's no video involved, but it's great for discussions. The only issue with it right now is you do need an invite. So see if you can get somebody to invite you. I suspect at some point it will be 100% public, but I know a lot of curators are starting to get on here which is kind of a miracle because they really are not on social media for the most part. Well, social media, I think oftentimes, the social media that artists use is very image-based. And if you're an art writer or a curator or something like that, a lot of times you're, you're doing text, you're doing text things. And those text things are too dense for say Twitter. And so Clubhouse has been a place where curators and art writers and art historians can have these very deep discussions about what's happening in the art world right now. It's fun to be a fly on the wall listening into these discussions. Thank you so much, RJ Dennis, who says Thanks, you RJ. guys rock. Greetings from Ooh. New Hampshire. Thank you so much for your support. Let's talk about galleries. This seems like an obvious way to find out about contemporary art, but it's not as simple as you might think, because I believe this comment from Sletnir, guess I've looked in some wrong places. I found some that left me a bit blah. And yeah, that can happen. If you just walk down the street in New York and just go to random galleries, that is likely that that would happen. But there's a way to plan in advance, so that is not the case as much. Yes. 
So this happened to me recently. I my family had sent my parents on a nice getaway in Kingston because Kingston's a very arty place. This is in New York in the Hudson Valley, but they did not plan ahead as far as which places they wanted to go. They thought they could go into the middle of Kingston and just have the art osmosis into them. Now they're gallery go goers. They've done this before. They they're not they're not neophytes to the gallery scene. But because they didn't plan ahead and see, oh, this artist is showing here, or oh, I've really been interested in this gallery, they did not have a super good time figuring out what was on or even open. And so it's really important to say if you do see a gallery that you like or interested in what they're showing you join their mailing list or you follow them on instagram or you go to the website of some galleries i don't recommend googling top 10 galleries to see in so and so place that never seems to work very well you really want to tailor it to your interests if you can so yeah going to openings you can get this information from different galleries or from artists. Artists will post where they're showing. Oftentimes, I'll go to a gallery I've never been to. If I see that an artist that I know, that I've even just recognized their name. I don't even have to know or like their work that much. I recognize their name and I'll go to the gallery and see what's going on. And also, if you go, at least in New York, on Thursday nights when things usually open, there's a lot of free foods and drinks, especially now that COVID's opening up. So at the very least, you can get yourself a free beer. Yeah, I think the main thing here is you can't just drop yourself into some contemporary art place expecting that you're going to be so excited. You have to find this stuff because I think one of the first contemporary art museum exhibitions I went to was at the Decorative Museum in Boston. And I remember as an art school student going, whoa, that's the first contemporary art show where I liked the work. And that was just such a revelation for me. I was like, it's not all crap. Some of it's really amazing. And so that's where you gotta go find it. Don't just expect it to plop into your lap, it is work. Yeah, I'm going to say most of the contemporary art, most art in the world, I it's not for me. I don't like because I have my likes and dislikes. I actually have tastes. It's just like music. There's plenty of music that I don't like. I really don't like musicals. I'm sorry. I don't like them. I like one musical. So, I, I mean, the same goes for art. I If there's minimalist art, it doesn't mean the gallery's bad or the artwork's crap. I just don't like that type. So... Yeah, it's it's really just figuring that stuff out ahead of time, following the artists and following different galleries. Tell us in the chat, how many of you here feel like you want to learn more about contemporary art? How many of you feel like you just have no idea, which is fine. A lot of people are, are in that place. And how many people feel like, oh, I, I have sort of a handle or I feel like I know where to look. I'm just curious to hear how people have approached contemporary art in general. Contemporary art videos, there's a billion of them. <laughs> We're gonna tell you to look at our list, which has art videos and podcasts. 
things like there's this Banksy documentary, Exit Through the Gift Shop, is one that's very popular. The one about Maria Marina Abramovic, the artist is present. There's been quite a few recently that have been released in various platforms that I really think would be worth checking out. I just saw but, Big Eyes. Big you guys, Yeah, it was really good. I liked it a lot. I, I knew nothing about her story at all, so it was really interesting. Sam and I watched it together. It's about Margaret Keene, who was a kitsch artist that probably a lot of you have seen her paintings of children with big eyes, so check it out. But my favorite art video series is absolutely PBS Art 21. They have so many videos on phenomenal contemporary artists. They're extremely varied. And my favorite one, actually, I love the one about Shazia Sikander because the videos are really well produced, but there's some artists I'm like, I like your work, but uh, you're a very good speaker. <laughs> but she was fabulous. Have you watched Art 21, Lauren? Yeah, the last time I watched Art 21 was when I was working on a paper about, uh, man, I'm spacing on his name. This is horrible. Mark, Mark Dion. I mm -hmm. hope that's, that's it. Okay. He does work that is, is kind of museum critique, environmental critique, and he does work about climate change and plastics and curiosity cabinets. And it's really, really cool. But Art 21 puts things in a very easy to understand language and also interviews the artists. And so it's, it's pretty easy to get into, I think. I like this comment from Soyton Lee, who says contemporary art is a really broad spectrum. So if you search, you are bound to find something you like. Absolutely. It's just you got to take the time. And Seven Angelic explains when it comes to this, I'm a lost tourist who missed the bus doesn't even know how to ask for directions. Well, we're going to give you some directions and we can always support you more in the Discord if anybody needs further support. There are a lot of writings, articles, or reviews that you'll read about contemporary art that will make you feel like you're not that intelligent. That's how they make me feel. Because <laughs> there's always these buzzwords yeah. that they're using and sometimes they're annoying and so your advice Lauren ask what those words mean is great this was not so I would say I'm not going to take credit for this I actually was inspired by a classmate of mine at Hunter his name is ridiculous I can post his work later if you want to see but he is not from the art world or did not get a BFA he is self-taught now doing an MFA and so whenever a word is brought up in class that he doesn't know, it could be a word about materials, like what is a pigment stick, or it could be what does post-humanism mean? He always raises his hand and asks what, asks what it means. And it was so refreshing to have him in the class because other people would have the same question. We're all using a word and we only somewhat know what it means. And so we could sit down and actually go through the definition together. And it really helped everybody. Chances are, if you've got questions about a word, other people do too. And you are not stupid for bringing it up. You are actually really brave and awesome and people will appreciate you for it.
we've got some super stickers, one from Die Dreamin and another one from Ani Luthien. Thank you both so much. Thank you. So wonderful to have your support. Keep those super chats coming. We need them to keep our content 100% free and accessible. This one, absolutely do this. And this one's fairly easy to do because we have a list on artprop.org of contemporary art publications. There's online ones, there's printed ones. I confess I never read the printed ones because it costs money <laughs> to buy all those magazines. Art Forum is not cheap. It's like $10 a magazine. Although um, for how much paper you get in art form for how thick it is, it's pretty cheap. <laughs> it is. I'm just saying for people for whom this is not their career yeah. and they want to get some knowledge, the online publications are more accessible. Some of them do have paywalls, which I totally get as well, but they're pretty low for what you get. Mm -hmm. Brooklyn Rail is terrific, Art F City, Artnet, Sculpture Magazine, Hyperallergic, and they all focus on something a little bit different. Like if you're not a sculptor, maybe you don't care about Sculpture Magazine, but Hyperallergic covers everything. I think Hyperallergic is a great entry point because it also goes over more pop culture, mainstream type things, things that are related to other things that you read about in the world. It's really good at tying in current events with art events. So it's a great place to start and it can also lead you to deeper things if you want. Another one that I think is more set up like that that is a little bit more pop culture-y is Juxtapose. And that one's got a lot of nice splashy pictures in it too. <laughs> so you've got that. And then things like Art Forum are a little like more heady. They've got more hard words in them, like quotidian. <laughs> Do they talk about critical making? Oh, yes. <laughs> you can't deal. <laughs> well, here's a question from Jazz. Are there any un-American publications or websites, like if you want to check out German artists? I'm sure there are. Because we're in the U.S., I tend to not do that as much. But one thing you can do is a lot of these publications, some of them are very specific to the place. I mean, Brooklyn Rail, duh. <laughs> They're going to focus yeah. more on Brooklyn. Yeah. But there are other ones, like I would say Artnet, is a more international publication. I would also say Artsy tends yeah, to cover yeah, a more yeah, global artsy. audience. So certainly you can do research on German online publications, but the international ones will cover that stuff. Yeah, I have to think about that. I'm sorry, that's hard. Be because we're in the US, that's, that's our scope but we can talk about it in the Discord and try to come up with some international ones as well. Sentient Charcoal says, do you find that what you've learned about contemporary art seeps into your own art practice consciously or unconsciously? Yes. <laughs> I How think could not. <laughs> everything, everything you do is gonna eventually come back into your practice in some way. I, I think so, at least for me. So one thing that I find has come up a lot for me is 
I am really attuned to the color palettes, I mean, go figure, that other people have been using in their artwork. I also follow a lot of figuration in painting, which is what I do. And so I will consciously actually, if I see a painting I really like, I will try to emulate things that I like from that painting in my own paintings, whether that be a perspectival shift or a color palette or just how a figure looks. And I think that as long as, I mean, some things you can't be aware of, some things are subconscious, but as long as you are consciously thinking about how these things might affect your practice, I think it's an ex excellent place to learn from contemporary artists. I think a lot of it is just having an awareness of what's out there. It's sort of like if you showed up at a party and everybody was supposed to wear a costume and you showed up without the costume. It's like, I want to know how am I going to fit into the contemporary landscape of figurative painting? If I totally shut myself out from that, you could come across as a little clueless as a contemporary artist. Like Lauren said, you can't predict everything, but it's just developing a degree of savviness because can get embarrassing if you don't stay on top of that. <laughs> well, let's let's put it this way. You yourself, everybody here, whether you want to be or not, is a contemporary artist. We are all contemporary artists, contemporaries yes. of each other. And so you are always going to, especially if you show your work publicly, you're always going to be in conversation with other contemporary artists. We're all taking in each other's work consciously, unconsciously, or coming into a convergent evolution with each other. So being a mindful person, you want to, to make it a good space for everybody and a good space for yourself to exist in. Now, from a practical point of view, following those online publications on social media, it does make it easier because I don't open up hyperallergic every day and read it. But I do follow them on Twitter and on Instagram. And when I see, oh, they wrote an article about this artist. I really like them. I'm going to go read that. So I just think from a logistical point of view, this is a much easier way to stay on top of things. And then you don't have to check everything. You can just get it in your feed. And then you decide, oh, I saw that. I don't know who that artist is. Let me go check them out. Do you subscribe to a lot of these places, Lauren? Yeah, Hyperallergic actually was my uh, default website for a long time. It's not anymore because I switched computers, but that was, I did that when I was in college. So I would be automatically starting to skim articles when I went online. It would just be automatically fed into my brain. I am subscribed to New American Paintings. So I get the actual and you were in copies. It. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in it. I'm in it twice, like two two times in a row. I'm in the Northeast one and in the MFA one, but I never got in, Lauren. I got rejected every time I submitted to New American Painting. How many times did you submit, though? Because I submit every single year. I've been rejected so many times. I submitted at least five times. Oh, same, more. same, yeah. same. It takes that many times. Uh, but yeah, on Instagram too, I am subscribed to also New American Paintings, not Artsy, uh, definitely Hyperallergic, um, Juxtapose, a few other ones for sure. 
and yeah I'll, I'll i'll say more if i think of them i also think while galleries are great to see contemporary art it's really good to blend it with contemporary art museum exhibitions this is where you do have to know a little bit about where to look because while major museums like the metropolitan and the mfa in boston they do do contemporary shows but the thing is that's only one piece of their programming and if you look at a museum and it's all contemporary art you're probably going to get more content that's related to that so for example the Institute of Contemporary Art in Boston, when I was living in Boston, I went there all the time because they had tons of shows that I was interested in. It was local, easy to get to. And I was actually going to say that you don't have to go to one of the like mega museums. Like the De Cordova is a regional museum. And this is the museum where I shot, saw that awesome contemporary art show that blew me out of the water. And so it doesn't have to be a major museum. But this is important, Lauren, because the types of artists in these contemporary art museums, not the same thing as gallery artists. Right. So we were talking earlier, gallery art is really focused on the commercial aspect of contemporary art or not contemporary art. There's modern art galleries too, but they're really trying to sell artwork. And then once you get into the, the museum scene and institutional scene, that's more for education. That's kind of a graduation to a, to a more lasting level. And a lot of galleries will try to get artworks or artists from the people that they represent in these museum collections. So when you go to a museum, you can expect getting more educational parts so then you can really understand, okay, why, why, are, why do people think that they're great? Uh, they tend to be more accessible just in general as far as the materials available, the, uh, the navigating the museum, the all of, if you've got children, sometimes the museums have, have educational centers for your kids. <laughs> So they are a really good place to start if you're feeling like a beginner. I'd say also don't try to do one of these museums in one day. Like the ICA in Boston, I could go a whole bunch of times, I think. The same with just the regular museums like the Met or the MoMA or things like that. You can get really tired really quickly. Another thing is a lot of the contemporary art museums, they're fairly new, say, compared to the Met and the New York. So Mass Mocha only came along in the last little bit, and it's a really huge space with just crazy galleries and ceilings, and you're not going to get something like that at the Louvre in France. And so therefore, a lot of the work they can show at Mass Mocha is not showable at some of the more historical museums. So go to those museums if you haven't, because they're really worth the visit. We have a question from Jesse who says, what's the difference between modern and contemporary art? That's a great question. So my contemporary art is always what is happening right at the second that you are living. That's what's happening right now. Whereas modern art is 
Oh man, Claire, you're gonna have to help me with this because I <laughs> I know what modern art is, but it also feels so nebulous to me. I feel like it's the artwork from the 20th, 20th century, 20th century from 19, 1900s to 1960s, 70s. It's like first third of the 20th century. I think the issue with the word modern is people oftentimes substitute it for contemporary. It's not. Just because people don't understand the actual definition. So modern art, I have a book. <laughs> Actually, this is a good measure. It's called Modern Sculpture. And mm -hmm. it has Giacometti, Archipenko, Brancusi, those dudes during that time <laughs> period. So that's modern. And what a lot of people say is, I hate modern art. I'm like, really? You don't like those dudes in the 1920s? I'm like, I don't think that's what you're referring to. So the main thing is contemporary is people who are alive. So Giacometti is not alive. He's not contemporary. I'm alive. I'm contemporary. And so is Lauren. <laughs> yes. Uh also, Slepmir is saying modern art includes artwork extending from the 1860s to the 1970s. So I think that's probably the broadest terms for it. And then you can break that up within that. There's mannerism and cubism and minimalism and pop art and then postmodernism. So within modernism, there's a lot of other little isms inside of there that you can go into if you want to. Another thing we recommend, don't just follow artists. A lot of people think, oh, if I want to know about contemporary artists, I should follow them. Yeah, you should. But you know who's better to follow in terms of getting a range of work? Arts writers. They're the ones writing the reviews, writing the opening for this artist catalog. They're the ones getting out there looking at those exhibitions. And we have a stream with Isis Davis Marks, and she's an arts writer. She's written for Hyperallergic and Artsy. I know she recently did something for Phillips, which is an auction house in New York. Follow her. I mean, first of all, she's an awesome artist. She's an arts writer. She posts stuff about shows she sees. I've seen stuff on her Instagram. I didn't know about it. I was like, oh, man, I'm so happy you posted because now I know. This is a demographic people don't think about as much. Yeah, and I have to be honest, I'm just getting into it as well. I, but when I really think about it, it's actually sometimes the artists that I end up loving the most. Some arts writer really wrote beautifully about them and convinced me to see the work in a new way. So it can, while it kind of feels a little bit like homework to, to read something from an arts writer or historian, it can really blow up your idea of what is important art right now. Then look at who they follow because Isis is an arts writer. Duh, she's got friends who are arts writers. So this is a great way to find a demographic that maybe is not as easy to find. Of course, you can read an article in Hyperallergic, note the name of the writer, follow them on Instagram and Twitter, but definitely look at this group because they are fantastic to follow. Now, biennials and art fairs. This is not the same as a museum show. 
And it's not really the same thing as a gallery either. What's going on here, Lauren? <laughs> well, some people will say it's really just the black hole of the art world. It can it can be where artwork goes to die. It's the most it's the most commercialized portion of the art world in the sense that's where all the galleries get together and they show their artworks and collectors buy them. And it's really this big festival and there's lots of, of Instagrammable art and you buy very expensive wine while you're there. And sometimes the tickets cost a lot of money, but there are many different types of fairs. So the fair that you just had up, Clara, that was that's the Venice Biennale, right? This one is the Venice Biennale. Okay, yeah. So, so that's that. That is the most famous type of of art biennale, right, or biennial. Mm -hmm. But there's also things like a fair that I'm really into is the Spring Break Spring Break Art Fair, which is in New York, and that's really a smaller, focused on artist artist curation of beautiful, like really cool installation spaces that the art is in. It's very imaginative. There's the Outsider Art Fair, which focuses on outsider artists, artists that ha don't have formal training, quote unquote. And then there's, say, Future Fair, which just happened a few weeks ago. Or there's NADA, which is the New Art Dealers Alliance, I think. So there are many different types of fairs and in many different places all over the world and in all different parts of the U.S. too. And they don't have to be one of these mega biennales. I mean, one of my favorite art fairs is the print fair. In New York City, they have it in the fall. Printmaking nerds from everywhere come <laughs> drool over all the prints and talk to the dealers. There's so many different types. So you do have to do some research and figure out, okay, which is one that's really going to work for me. Lauren probably would not be gushing at the print fair the way I would. <laughs> sure, you would still get something out of it, but you got to find the one that's really going to fit your taste. Now, here's one that I don't think a lot of people know about because, number one, they don't really know what the big grants are, and they don't think to look them up. So this is the most prestigious one, MacArthur Foundation grant. It's called the, quote, Genius Grant. And th this is it. This is the top of the line as far as artists go. And just go to the MacArthur Foundation website, look at who has won a grant for a visual artist. You're going to find some pretty awesome people on that site. <laughs> this, is, this is the area, Clara, that I really don't know much about. I've heard of the MacArthur grant i've heard of the guggenheim i've heard of the what is it the pollock krasner fellowship but i mostly only know of the names of these things and of some people who have gotten them i don't really know what they are or even how to get them do people apply for these is this something that that we should be concerned about as as artists <laughs> making our own way <laughs> MacArthur, you have to be nominated, and a lot of these people already have extremely well-regarded careers to begin with. The Rome Prize, you can apply for it, but it's a year-long residency in Rome, and therefore you have to have a project that is specific to you living in Rome. It's one of the most prestigious artist residencies out there. Very few people get it. 
Guggenheim Foundation, you can win it for anything. You can win it as a scientist for the humanities and music and stuff like that. But this grant is probably the one that's one step below the MacArthur. And you can look up all the people that won it for visual arts. I mean, every year they give out these awards. I'm like, I always know somebody on it. And I'm like, how come they got it? And I did it. (laughs) But Guggenheim, you can actually apply for it. The application is extremely extensive. You have to do a ton of work for it. And you can't be a new artist. You have to be a mid-career artist to apply for that. Okay. I like this tip, Lauren. Don't be afraid to voice your own opinions on contemporary art. Yeah. Again, you're a contemporary artist. We all are. So you are what is shaping how people view contemporary art today, especially in this day and age when a lot of things become viral and that is how opinions are made about stuff. Now more than ever, your voice can be a part of the contemporary art world and what's big and what's not. And What I have seen that has been really cool and very inspiring for me is artists, uh, artists making their own blog, either on their own page or on Tumblr or on WordPress or whatever you want, even Twitter, and just writing your own brief thoughts about art that you recently saw that inspired you or didn't. This can help you with everything from writing your own artist statement to thinking about how your work is affecting other people. You really get a uh, outsider's view, that other end of the, the, I don't know what you call it, the viewer spectrum. (laughs) It's good practice. I mean, this is basically what we do here. I don't have an art history PhD or academic qualifications to talk about contemporary art. But we're here voicing our opinions, maybe not always in the most academic manner, (laughs) but uh, (laughs) we're doing this ourselves. And there's no reason you should feel that you are not entitled to your own opinion. So keep that in mind, because I think it's very important for people to respect that their opinion matters, too. Thank you, Amanda, who says, thanks for highlighting these resources. I haven't heard of a few of these. Well, thank you so much, Amanda. All right, everybody, we've got more streams about contemporary art, like NFTs and all that. And we also have an Art Prof Share today. Art Prof Share is where one of you in our community creates work in response to one of our resources, In this case, it is our color track. Our tracks are a free series of sequences. They're uh, video lessons and prompts, and you can do them at your own pace. And this is an artist statement from Manette Eaton, who talks about how when I first started seriously getting into art, never thought I'd use much, if any, color. And talks about how Manette liked how open it was with the materials that could be used and challenge myself further. Not every piece turns out great, and that's okay. Favorites were using gouache for underpainting week because the gouache is strange to get used to. And Manette says, I'm glad I was able to work through all the challenges as I feel much more confident using color, gouache, digital art. It was really great getting support from people in the Discord. The feedback there was invaluable. Well, let's see what Manette did. Manette certainly logged lots of time doing 
complementary color charts, which are so, so helpful. And did a whole bunch of paintings. I love the richness of this red, Lauren. Yeah, this red-green vibe. Using the red and green are the hardest ones to use together. So I applaud you for giving that a go because I find it extremely challenging. And that skull, that green is just popping. This is great. I really like Manette's acrylic painted paper collage. Yeah. I feel like it has such a different rhythm than say the night scene, which is very subtle muted colors but then when you go to Manette's painting here, oh, I love those of these shoes. shoes. I mean, they have so much personality. The colors are more saturated. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just love the variety, Lauren. Yeah, well done also with getting those shoes to really pop. That's a great example of using neutral colors as a good foundation for getting the saturated colors to really sing. So that, well done. And then Manette finished off the track with some digital work, which was inspired by Small Gods by Sir Terry Pratchett. And we were thrilled to watch Manette complete the track because this is a lot of work, you guys. <laughs> Doing a full track beginning to end on your own, that takes discipline and dedication. So nice work, Manette. We are so proud of what you've accomplished. And if you would like to see more people who have finished a track. You can see their slideshows, their Instagram posts on artprof.org. We do have a student gallery section where you can look through those areas. Each track has its own page. So this is the page for people who have completed the painting track and you can check that out on our main site. I hope you will join Lauren and I. After the stream, we will be in the Artprof Discord. Meet us in the post live streams channel where we can chat and talk more about muted tones and <laughs> contemporary art and critical making. <laughs> critical <stuff>. making. <laughs> there are many ways you can support ArtProf. You can make a one-time donation via PayPal. You can register for a premium track, which allows you to work closely with our staff. You can purchase a critique on your social media, on your website. And we want to give a big thank you to our top Patreon supporters. The support we got from Patreon, it is still the top part of our budget. We have other things where we get revenue, but this is it. That This is what really keeps us going. So thank you all. It did go down from the raffle. I don't know. Maybe people entered the raffle and then canceled. Who knows? But we need to keep this going. So please consider becoming a Patreon supporter. You get access to supporter channels in the Discord, access to voice sessions. There's all these super cool perks that you get if you join on Discord. And remember, our prof has a podcast. It's available on Spotify and also on iTunes. And subscribe to our channel for more tutorials, critiques, and business tips. Everybody, thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.